All right, I encourage you to grab a Bible and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, if you don't have a Bible, there's probably a red one in your seat back in front of you. If you don't own one, you can take that home as a uh, gift from us. The passage is also in your bulletin, little handout there, as well as on the screen. So Deuteronomy is the kind of the last book and what we call the Pentateuch, which is the five books that Moses authored. So we got uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And so if you're just joining us, here's kind of what we're doing uh, over the next few weeks here. So we started it last week, we'll end next week. We're just kind of talking about families here at Sojourn. And so I, I realize that some of you in this room are you're single, maybe you're young married, maybe you're uh, empty nesters, and you feel like, man, I don't, I don't have kids in my home. I don't, I'm not in the, the throes of parenting. And so I, I get that. I, I pray that through these three messages, the Spirit of God has ways of applying things to our hearts and lives that I don't even speak. And so I do still feel like there's, there's great implication, indirect application that you can work with, even though I may not be making that real explicit for you. And so just hang with us, all right? In a couple of weeks, we're gonna be diving into the life of David and it'll go for a much broader application, all right? But today, in these three weeks here, we're just kind of zeroing in on, on moms and dads, and just talking about uh, families. And so uh, I really... Cannot encourage enough, and I know it sounds really weird coming from me because I'm basically asking you to go and listen to me, and that just sounds weird and awkward. But if you have not heard last week's message, I just really want to encourage you to go sometime this week and listen to it. I know the recording's a little, uh, little off. It sounds like someone's recording me from their own iPhone. That's not what happened. There's a little switch that we have to switch, and it just human error, so be it. Uh, but we'll have it fixed this week. But uh, you can get past it, right? You can, you can hear what I'm trying to say. And the reason why it's just important is because it's really foundational work to what I'm trying to say today. And so if you don't hear uh, the, what we talked about last week, man, you can take this today in, in an unhealthy way. You can take it in a way that isn't gonna be helpful for you. Uh, you can take it in a way that just mounts more guilt and feel like you're a huge failure as a parent. And that's, that's not my goal. That's why I really tried to lay some foundational work uh, last week. And so I just, just briefly here, so we just exposed two lies in parenting that, that need to kind of be, you know, brought up every time in our own hearts and minds because these are not lies just in our culture. They're also lies within our hearts. And one of them is that there's this kind of like silver bullet in parenting, that if I do A and B, I'm always gonna see that like there's some way in the Bible that tells me that godly parents always have godly kids. And, and I just wanna blow that up because I just feel like it's a lie, it's false. I feel like it causes parents to, to be paralyzed and they're seeking this right way of parenting and they miss the, uh, the joy of having kids. They miss the joy of just loving your children. They miss the reality that they are gifts and rewards from our heavenly father. And so uh, I know for some of us in this room, when you heard that last week, you, you probably left maybe mad, maybe angry, maybe not agreeing with me. And Look, I'm good with that. Like, I, I'm okay with you kind of wrestling with what I want to say here. And I, I just encourage you to, to dive in the Bible. If you don't agree with what I said there, then find me a family in the Bible and say, wow, that's the model family. I think what you'll find is a lot of jacked up families that by God's grace, they had godly kids and even godly parents who had wicked, evil children. So that's one lie. And if that's messing with you, just listen to the sermon, all right? Don't, don't lose me here, all right? The second lie was just basically this idea of that we're gonna to try to find our value, our worth, our identity, and, and how our kids turn out. I just called it justification 
through parenting, and we're going to kill that. And the main reason why we want to kill that is because what will eventually happen is there's going to be moments and circumstances and situations in your, in your life as you parent that you will make something about you when it needs to be about your kid. And if you've not slayed this idea that I'm finding my value and worth and how my kids turn out, there are going to be moments when your kids need it to be about them and you'll make it about you because you're trying to find your justification for your kids. And our justification is in Jesus and Jesus alone. That's it. And it frees us to step in and love them and parent them when they need us to do it. So that's last week. I encourage you to go listen to it. This week, just in case (laughs) you left last week thinking, doesn't matter what I do, right? I can just blow up a big old inner tube and float down the lazy river, right? My kids are going to turn out however. Hallelujah, I am free to just be lazy. Now, that's, if that's the application, you missed the whole point, all right? Because I'm coming back this, this morning and saying, no, 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 you have enormous influence. You have huge influence. And if you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, you get that, Right? You're realizing how much influence and the kind of impression that your parents had on your life, both good and bad. So so we're fools in here if you think, oh, it doesn't really matter. No, it does matter what you do. You're going to hear that this morning. I'm going I'm to push you a little bit. That's why we thought it was so important because I'm, I'm going to push you a little bit because I want you to step in. You can do this. You have enormous influence in your kid's life. And so here's the sort of framework I'm operating from this morning, and that is this. There is no other relationship that is more important than a person's relationship with Jesus Christ. It is the most important relationship. That's why we have a church. That's why we exist. We are here to reach people with the gospel. We are not here to build a holy huddle and be all cool and have nice music and make everybody feel wonderful and comfortable. No, we're here to reach people that are far from Jesus Christ That's the most important relationship is someone's relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the first kind of operating mindset I'm going with today. Secondly is this, is there's no one in a child's life that can have the greatest influence in their relationship with Jesus than you as a parent. No one else. It's not the only influence, right? That's why we're coming back next week and talk about the church being a third voice. There's greater potential when when homes and church combine their influence going toward the same mission. Huge impact that can happen on a kid's life. That's what we're after here. But you got to hear this. Your voice, your influence is huge. In a child's relationship with Jesus Christ. And so this this is my desire this morning. No matter where you're at as a parent, no matter if this has never been rhythms in your life as a parent, no matter if you are just a brand new Christian, no matter what the age of your kids are, if they're three or they're 18, my prayer is I want to give you a framework, a framework where you can step in and influence your child's relationship with Jesus Christ. You can't create that. You can't make them become Christians. You can't even grow them. That's God's work. But you can step in and have influence, huge influence in their life. And that's my prayer. So there we go. That's where I'm going today. All right, that was supposed to be the intro. I felt like it was sort of like a sermon. So sorry about that. So that's a little sermon, point one or whatever. So let's stand together in honor of reading God's word.
Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're just going to read verses 4 through 9. I think in your bulletin I got verses 20 through 25. Uh, we're, we're just not going to touch on that. We're just not going to have time. So uh, we're just going to read those five verses there in the middle of Deuteronomy 6. So here, the word of the Lord. And this is Moses speaking. And so just, just kind of real quickly, I know you're standing. I won't keep you up, but just this context of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is kind of like little pep talks, all right? They're like little speeches that Moses is speaking to the nation of Israel. So one generation has died off. They spent 40 years wandering around the, in the wilderness. They die off. You have a brand new generation. They're right on the Jordan River. They're getting ready to go into the promised land. And Moses in the book of Deuteronomy is basically preaching a bunch of sermons, all right? That's what's going on here. It's the context here. And what we're getting ready to read here, these five verses is, is like central to all that he speaks in the book of Deuteronomy. And actually Jesus later on picks up the same idea. So um, hear the word of the Lord. And this is what Moses is saying to the nation of Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk on the, along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, once again, I just pray for help. Pray for all of us, Lord, as we, as we hear the word of God, as we hear this authoritative word spoken over our lives, God, by your spirit, help us to be submissive to it, Lord. Help us to be obedient to this, Lord. Help us to confess sin, whatever we need to repent of. May we do that this morning. And God, in an area like parenting that's so complex and can, can hit us in different ways, man, may your spirit just come and bring a healing, empowering word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. So here's, here's what I want to do. I just want to make two massive observations from these five verses that have to do with parenting, have to do with all of us in general, but specifically parenting. And then I want to land the plane kind of talking about a framework of how you can influence your child's relationship with Jesus, kind of putting into practice what we see here in verses four through nine. So the first observation is this, is that it starts with us. It begins with mom and dad. And notice, notice what it does not say here. It does not say this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one and press them and press these commands on your kids. Or it doesn't say this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Teach your kids these commands. No, it says this. It begins with us. It starts with mom and dad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. They're to be upon your life. They're to be upon the inner being of you, mom, dad. It begins with you. It doesn't start, here's what you teach your kids. No, no, no. It starts with you get these commandments within the interior world of your life. This these five verses here are referred to as the Shema. This is what this is called. The reason why it's referred to that is because 
The word hear is a a Hebrew translation. Shema there, it means to listen, to respond to what what you're hearing here. And what we see in this also is that Jews would use this as their morning prayers. These five verses here, verses four through nine, they would memorize these as well as a few, few other verses. And they would recite this every single morning in their morning prayers as a way to kind of remind them of their devotion to the Lord and their commitment to him. And so what we see at the, at the crux of Deuteronomy chapter six, because we also see Jesus repeating this, is that we as moms and dads are first to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, with the totality of our being. And this, this love is not some kind of emotional experience that we're after. Nothing wrong with that. Like I long for that. I, I want my affections, my emotions to be stirred toward, toward God. But, but what is at the heart of this is that our love is seen through our obedience. That's what the word listen means. It means to hear and to respond. Listen and love. Your love is seen. Your love of God is not seen through you know, us singing worship songs or us waving our hands in the air or, or shedding a tear. Our love primarily of God is seen in our obedience to God when we listen to what he says and do it. Now, when you hear that, hopefully you are feeling your inability to love God with the totality of your being. Hopefully you're not reading Deuteronomy 6 and going, I'm killing it, right? Hopefully you're not going, oh yeah, man, I got that. Let's, let's go on, point two, Lyle. I got that. No, no, hopefully you're feeling your inability to do what Moses is commanding here. Because we have the beauty of the whole picture here that the nation of Israel did not have here. So every command that you see in scripture, especially in the Old Testament, is to drive you to Jesus. It is to bankrupt you of your independence that I can do this. It is to realize that I can't, and it is to drive us to Jesus Christ. Because the irony of all this, and if you would read the whole of Deuteronomy, you would see by the end of this, after all these commandments of, of, of how you to live and how you to obey God. And if you choose life, this is what life looks like. If you don't do this, this is death. Now go Israel, do this. And at the end of it, you're not going to do it. That's basically what, Deuteronomy, what Moses says. Well, I got all these things I want you to do, but the reality is you're not going to do it. And here's what God's going to do in response to your disobedience and your inability to do what I'm commanding you. That's why he sent Jesus. You can't love God like this. Jesus came and loved God like this on your behalf. He came and died on a cross for your sin of having wrong ordered loves. And now when you receive Christ and you're in in, in him, guess what? What is true about Jesus is now true about you. Jesus loved God with the totality of his beings. He obeyed all of his commandments. That is true about Jesus. And now that you're in Christ, it is true about you. And now all of a sudden, because the spirit of Christ Christ dwells in you, you have this new capacity, this new want, these new desires to love God, to love him with the whole of your being, to be obedient to him. It's not like, oh, I gotta be obedient. No, you want this. You wanna live under the reign and rule of Jesus Christ because he's given us the path of what the good life is and you agree with that. That's, that's the work of Jesus in your heart. That's the want at the core of your being as a Christian now is like, I want this to be true about me. Yes, it's imperfect. 
None of us as Christians are saying, we're, we're rocking this. No, Jesus rocked it for us. But I want this. I long for this. This is at the core of who I am. I want to be obedient. I want my love for God to grow. That's what we desire. And so look, look, you got to make the connections in parenting. You, you got to see this. This starts with mom and dad. It doesn't mean that there's got to be some kind of um, like level of maturity in this. It doesn't mean that we're, you know, we have some kind of meter that before I got to get to this level of love for God before I step in. And that's not what's being said here at all. No, what's being said here is this, is that, that you are stepping in, that you are maturing, that you are listening, that you are obedient, that you are stepping into the means that God has given you so that you can stir your affections and your love for Jesus. That's what's going on here. You have that capacity. It doesn't mean I've got to be at this level of maturity or this kind of perfect. No, I'm stepping into this so that these things can be cultivated in me. Why? Why is that important? Because it doesn't begin with what you say. You hear that, moms and dads. It doesn't begin with what comes out of your mouth. It begins with what they see what you model before them, what they absorb, what atmosphere you set, how they experience you. You follow me? So like, look, maybe, might be too much, but okay. If you're unwilling to step into this as a follower of Christ, if you're unwilling to say, well, you know, the Bible's boring. I'm, I'm you know, tried, whatever. I've heard the excuses. If you're unwilling to say, look, I want to step into the means that God's given us to stir up my affections for Jesus. I, I want to grow in my love. If you're unwilling to step into that, then let, let me just kind of just take a nap. Don't listen to anything I have to say the rest of the way because you will do more harm than good. Because the reality is this, guys, and all of us know this, man. It's, we know this, that a large part of parenting is not what I tell my kids, but what they see me do. That the large part of influencing my children is what they see me love. What are they watching and noticing with me? What, what, is, what is my model? What is my, what is my presence showing my kids? Not, they don't remember what you say. I mean, I, Maybe you remember a little bit, but you, the, the vast majority, if you think about your parents, what do you remember? You remember their influence. You remember what you see with them. You remember what they modeled before you. And I know this may be a really hard question to kind of hear your kids say, but let's say if your kids were just kind of on their own and, and someone came to them, you, they weren't, you weren't in their presence and said, look, can you, can you tell me what your mom loves? Can you, can you tell me what your dad loves? Where would Jesus fall in there? They're seeing it. So what are they seeing? I, mean, I know I'm pushing a little bit here, all right? I think one of the, what makes raising teenagers, there's all kinds of reasons why it's really difficult, all kinds. I can give you a huge book on that. But, but one of the reasons why it's so difficult is because they point out your hypocrisy. They see the gaps. When your kids are young, like you can keep an image, right? 
You can. Your little six-year-old thinks you're the best thing that ever walked on the planet, right? They draw those cool little pictures of you in school and talk about how awesome mom is and dad is. They do this. They're like little Cape Crusaders flying around the home, right? It's like, man, you're amazing in their eyes. And, and, and rightfully so, but they get 13, 14. Oh, that ain't happening anymore. The only pictures they're drawing of you is like X's in your eyes, maybe. I don't know. That's, that's a little over the top. Sorry about that. But, but part of what makes it really difficult is that they see the gaps. They see what you talk about, but then they see what you do. They see what you do around here, but they see what you do in inside the home. I mean, sometimes that's what makes it extremely difficult with what I do up here every single Sunday and my boys are sitting there. Because look, I, look guys, if, if I'm only preaching what I'm mastering, that would be a really short series, right? <laughs> I like a 10-minute sermon. And I don't even know sure what I would say, honestly, you know? So they're all, they're, they're seeing it. They, they see the gaps. They, they know it. And it's, look, it's not like the answer is to disown the hypocrisy. The answer is to own the gaps. And to desire that those gaps shrink. That at the core of your being, your kids will say, yeah, my dad, he says this. But at the core of who they are, they love Jesus. At the core of who they are, they want to be obedient to Jesus. No, it's not perfect. There's, there's a lot of mess here, but the core, what I can remember about my dad and mom is they love Jesus and they want to be obedient to him. And guys, I'm just telling you, that's where it begins. It starts not with what you say, but what your kids are seeing. They're watching. They're seeing you. What do you love? Who are you obeying? It starts with you. Then, second observation, then you teach. Then you impress upon them. Starts with you, stirring your affections for Jesus, and then you teach. Look what he says here in verse 7. Impress, impress them, these commands on your children. Another translation would say it like this. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. And so God is saying here that, that the community at large, because he's speaking to the nation of Israel, but in particular, moms and dads have a responsibility to teach their children the Bible, to teach their children about Jesus, to teach your children about God. That's the unique responsibility that God gives moms and dads. Now, before we kind of dive into that, I just want to, want to make a couple side notes here, right? This is, this is not just some kind of, you know, simple, generic belief in God. So, so we're not just after them believing in some generic God, as if, you know, yeah, as long as they believe in God and everything's going to be okay. No, we're after a, a specific belief, and that specific belief is in Jesus. Our God has a name, and his name is Jesus. That's 
who we want our children to believe in, in Jesus Christ. And it's not just this kind of like, you know, generic overchurch belief in God to where you, you know, you kind of give a mental assent, but it doesn't change your life. No, we want to, we want to teach a belief in Jesus that begins to change the very core and the fabric of their being, that it changes how they live. We believe that Jesus gives us the good life and we want to walk in that. And that's what I think Moses is after when he talks about verse eight there, you know, taking this verse and tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. This is kind of like a modern day look at this where they literally did this. They took a little box and they would put these five verses as well as a couple other ones and they would put them in that box, put it on their forehead and they would put it on their arms. Now, all right, I'm not gonna debate on whether you should or should not do that, but here's at the heart of what Moses is after, and we see this also reiterated in the New Testament, is that these commands, your love for God becomes the lens by which you see this world, and it becomes what shapes your whole being. So we're not just after some generic belief in God. No, we're after a belief in Jesus, because God has a name, and his name is Jesus, and we want this belief to radically change their life. That's one side note. Second side note is this is that we're not also laying before our children kind of a buffet. And we're saying, hey, you know what? Here's all different kind of gods. Here's all kinds of religions. Here's all kinds of spirituality. I'm just going to kind of bring them all before you. And I don't want to pressure you into believing a certain way. I want you to have the freedom to choose. Look, like I've had conversations with moms and dads that have that philosophy toward Religion, spirituality. Like, I'm just going to give you kind of a buffet, show you all the options, but I don't want to pressure you into believing a certain way. Now, that may be you in this room, and I, I'm not here to offend. Please come back. All right, I promise I'll be a little lighter. But I just want to push you a little bit. You don't do that when it comes to their diet. When your kid's five years old and they wake up in the morning, you don't go, okay, okay, sweetie. We got M&M's, we got oatmeal, we got a massive chocolate bar, and we got Fruity Pebbles. What do you want? Yeah, thanks for laughing a little bit, but we don't do that, right? Because any sane five-year-old is going to pick M&M's or the chocolate bar. And they'll gobble that down, have some kind of sugar high, and maybe throw up and say, let's do it again, right? They would do the same thing the next morning. It's like that kids are... I love them, but they're kind of foolish and dumb, right? You don't, you don't do this. Thanks for laughing. I love you. You know what I'm talking about. You don't even do this when you're choosing their friends. Like, like you make them feel like they're choosing their own friends. And if you're a kid in here, you might want to close your ears because I'm giving secrets away from your parents, all right? But here's the reality. You choose their friends. You determine who they hang out with. You determine how much time they spend together because you're the ones kind of guarding everything, right? They think they're choosing their own friends, but the reality is you're choosing Friends, well, you don't do this when it comes to ball teams, right? If you're a Buckeye fan in here, you don't bring your kids. And, hey, here's a here's a smorgasbord of teams to choose from. Even Michigan's in there, right? <laughs> right? You don't get them anything else. Buckeye everything. I don't have any Louisville Cardinal T-shirts in my home for crying out loud, unless I use it for kindling, right? I don't care if they like the Wildcats yet or not. I don't give a rip. They will. I'm buying things for them. We're watching them on TV. I'm yelling at the screen, sometimes cussing at it. But I love the Wildcats, right? Look, look. 
We wouldn't do this in our diet. We don't do it with our own children and we don't do it with the teams that we love. Why in the world would we do it with spirituality? Look, guys, look, what, what, Jesus, what God is saying here is there is no other God. The Lord our God is one. And the translation of that is that he alone is God. All other ones are false. They are not true gods. There is one God and God alone and his name is Jesus. And I'm trying by the best I can to influence my kids to love Jesus. You better believe it. I'm not throwing it some kind of smorgasbord buffet. You choose, no, I'm saying Jesus is the only God that we will give our allegiance to and our worship to, and we will die for. That's who we serve. And I'm telling you guys, look, if you set this in your home, all hell will break loose on you. Satan, all of his, you know, as we like to sing around, his hellish crew will come after you because Satan hates Jesus. That's why I don't like all this simplistic parenting. It's almost like we take spiritual warfare out. As long as you do this and this, you'll get this. No, 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 no. Uh, there's a demonic activity that's against Jesus Christ. So if you said in your home, we're going to worship Jesus, then guess what? Jesus invited Satan to roll in and have his heyday to some extent in your home. But if you lay before your kids, hey, just choose what fits you. And that path will be smooth. It'll be easy. But you're giving your kids a life full of loss and wanting and eventually hell. So, two side notes. Now let's come back, all right? We're gonna teach them. And so if you hear that, and I know you think I probably wouldn't feel like this, but I do. When you hear that, the first thing that probably comes to your mind is like, oh my gosh, that seems overwhelming, right? I don't feel equipped to do that. That's why I send them to you, Lyle. You're the professional. You do this, right? Like, they're gonna ask me questions I don't know. This feels really awkward. And what do I say? And how do I talk? And whatever it is. Like, I, I get that. Some of you might be going, man, I, I don't know if I have time, right? Like, I don't have time to do this. And when I think about teaching, that's like adding another Bible study. And I'm like, I don't know where that would fit in the craziness of my life and what I'm doing with kids and all that kind of stuff. Well, look, guys, the text serves us well here, doesn't it? It helps us to step in, not step back. It frees us to say, I can do this. I mean, look what he says here. Talk about them. Jesus, these commands, God. Talk about them when you sit at home. How many of you got a couch? Raise your hand. Raise it. Get it up there. Boom. You can do this. You sit at home, right? I'm not adding anything to your schedule. You sit at home. I mean, it goes on. He says, when you walk along the road, well, we don't do many walks unless we're exercising, dun, 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 right? But we drive a car. How many of you got a car? Come on, raise your hand. How many of you drive kids all over Timbuktu for crying out loud, right? Boom, you can do this. I'm not adding anything to your schedule. And it goes on when you lie down, as you go to sleep, your kids sleep in your home, unless there's something else going on, right? They sleep in your home. Your kids eventually get up. 
right? Some of you might start getting up a little earlier this week as school kind of rolls back. Yeah, we got a little amens there. But you, you get up, right? And so look, 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 we can do this. The, the writer here, Moses, is not saying that at each of these moments, you need to bust out the Bible and have an enormous Bible study, right? It isn't like every time we're sitting on the couch, oh my goodness, we've got to put memory verses up there, get rid of the TV, and let's just have the Bible up there, right? Or we're driving down the road, I got to have songs in the CD or whatever, my iPod, and we're singing scripture. Like, like all those have their place. But what Moses is after is this, you are having your affections for Jesus stirred because you're stepping in. And then as you go through the normal course of life, you're talking about the one you love. That's it. That's it. You can do this. I know, like, look, guys, this isn't easy. I know that this is going to be difficult. I know that sometimes trying to Ask questions to your kids to draw them out is really hard. You know, you say, how was school? Good. What'd you do at school? Nothing. So you spent eight hours at school and you did nothing. Like, what are we doing there, right? Like, what's going on? I mean, figure this out. But like, I get that. It's going to feel awkward. You're going to be inconsistent. You're going to say things that might be heretical. You know, you might say something that's heretical, not even in the Bible. Don't freak out, right? It's not like God going, oh, what am I going to do? No, it's like, yeah, they're doing their best. They're stepping in. Look, the reason why we are doing this is because we love God. We're not doing this to get some kind of product out of our kids. This isn't the silver bullet. It's not. That's why week one was so important. We do this because we love God and we love our kids. And this is a means, one of the means by which God can bring something new in their life, can help them see the beauty and wonder of Jesus. This is what we're saying, kind of seeing life through this lens, that our house, the jury house, put your name in there, is going to love the Lord with all of our hearts, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. That's what our home is about. It's not something I'm trying to, bring an image or whatever. No, this is who we are. This is what we are. So now, I guess what we're going to do, we're going to talk about this when we sit down. We're going to talk about this when we're riding along in the car. We're going to talk about this when we lay down at night. And we're going to talk about this when we get up in the morning. Not in some kind of formal way. Oh, no, no. Just, just as a normal flow of your life, because you're stirring your affections for Jesus, you're going to talk about the one you love. That's it. You, you can do this. You can step in. So, if I end the sermon there, some of you would go, okay, I hear you, I can do this, but what is the do, right? <laughs> what am I to do? I get like kind of normal conversation, but okay, like is there a framework that we can operate from? And I want to say there is. So uh, the Village Church, which is a church down in Texas, pastor by a guy named Matt Chandler, uh, they're, they're their family staff came up a couple, few months ago and met with all of our kids' ministry staff. And there was just a lot of collaboration, a lot of back and forth, just kind of learning from one another. They uh, actually took a lot of what we're doing with student baptism and is taking that back to kind of implement that within their church. And there's a lot that we learned from them. And one of the things that we learned from them is kind of this framework of kind of family discipleship or this framework of which we can step in 
and influence our kids' relationship with Jesus. And it's, it's a way for us to apply what we see here in Deuteronomy chapter six. And you can do this, not adding anything to your week. So it's, it's built around three things. It's in your bulletin, all right? Time, moments, milestones. Time, moments, milestones. So let me walk through each of these really quick, all right? And just wanna let you know that like this is something we are just kind of implementing slowly, but this is gonna be kind of the part of the fabric of what we do in kids' ministry and student ministry. So these kind of verbiage, you kind of hear this common language quite often here. So this is the framework we're gonna operate from. Time, moments, milestones. So time is this. This is what it means by time. It's where you're creating intentional time built into the rhythm of your family for the purpose of thinking about, talking about, and enjoying life in the kingdom. And I'll keep this up on the screen in case you wanna write it or take a picture of it. Time, you're creating intentional time built into the rhythm of your family for the purpose of thinking about and talking about and enjoying life in the kingdom. One of the things I love about this framework here is because it's, it's, it's fit, fit for all ages. It's not just young. It's, it kind of grows as your kids grow. And so what I mean by time is this. So we can kind of like translate this definition because depending on your, your background, you may come in here and you hear this, you're going, okay, Lyle's talking about family worship. So Lyle's talking about, you know, gathering your family around and, and singing a song, reading a story, telling a story and having prayer together at least weekly together. You're talking about family worship. Now, yes, in part, I am. But I would say this, for the majority of us in here, when you hear that, that's like varsity level for you. And you're like, I'm eighth grader. Right, you know what I'm saying? Like you're, you're way up here and I'm eighth grade, maybe even lower. I'm still in elementary school. And so some of us may see that as some giant leap. And here's what I want to say is, okay, that's, that's a part of that. But if that is not fitting you and if that feels really overwhelming, then I want to give you some small steps of what this looks like. And I'll give you three. One, church. Every week, you're rolling in here. You're taking a rhythm and you're coming in here, you're hearing the word of God, God's stirring your affections for Jesus, your kids are hearing the word of God every single week. And so guess what? You're already doing it. You're killing it, amen? Because you're here, right? I mean, come on, yeah, like nod your head, Be happy. you are here. And so you're already doing this and you didn't even know you were doing it. It's like, wow, I'm having an influence on the life of my kids spiritually by just rolling into church. And I know I'm not, I'm trying to be a little goofy here and it's not going real well, but that's okay. But here's what I just want to say to this. Look, it's, it's interesting here. I just want you to see that, that, that sometimes we can instill values and priorities in our kids' life by what we do, right? And so if you're rolling in here every single week and hearing the word of God, singing the word of God, your kids are being taught, guess what? That's teaching priorities, like it's building values in them that when they leave here, say, wow, this is part of who we are and this is what I do as a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, granted, guys, if you're coming to your kids and going, hey, church is a priority for our family and you're rolling in once a month, that's a big gap, right? And your kids are seeing it. They may not see it when they're three. When they get 10, it's like, well, we talk about it being a priority. We don't step in. Look as well. Look, hopefully we've moved beyond this idea that, you know, God's up there with the big 
chalkboard and keeping track of your church attendance. And then one Sunday you don't show up, all hell breaks loose in your home. Like that's, no, that's not what we're talking about. Like I need this. I want this. I have the love of the Father through Jesus Christ. I don't earn it by rolling in her on Sundays. No, I want and I need this. That's one. You go to church. The second one is this, and this is what we try to do as a jury family. At least two times a week, we have dinner together. You can have it more awesome. But two times a week, we're trying to gather our entire family around the table and have dinner. And some seasons, that is really, really hard. Really hard, especially as our two oldest got into teenage years. Man, it's really hard. But two times a week, we are trying to gather together and have a meal together. And in that, look, guys, sometimes when I share things like this, I'm sure sometimes people project, oh, that must be just so holy and amazing. And Lyle's probably busting out the Bible and speaking a sermon. It's just their kids are probably weeping around the table. No, <laughs> my kids don't want to hear from me. It's like, shut up, Dad, right? But all we're, like, all we're trying to do then is just trying to create space for them to talk and to laugh as a family. Yeah, every once in a while, maybe we'll talk about something specific, but don't over-spiritualize this. Sometimes we gather together and we'll do like two truths and a lie, right? I don't know if you guys have ever done that, but it's where you have each kid tell two truths and a lie and the rest of the family has to figure out what the lie is. We do that quite often, usually with our two small ones, there's something about poop and pee and throw up in there. It, it's inevitable. Well, I pooped at school. That's probably a truth, right? <laughs> Giving yourself away. Sometimes we'll do highs and lows. We're just going to gather together as a family and enjoy good food and make connections to Jesus. Like I'm not adding anything to your plate. You're already going to church. Boom, you're knocking that out apart. You're eating, so be intentional with it. And the third one about time is, is bedtime. So this is um, kind of like routine that we do primarily with our young guys, all right? So I'll talk about the old guys here in just a second. But the young guys, like we just have consistently done one of a few things. We're reading something with them. That has something to do with Bible, obviously. So we're, we're finding resources that we can use, like the Jesus Storybook Bible, whatever it is. We're reading something with them. Sometimes as they've gotten older, we'll just take, you know, a, a section of Scripture and, and try to read it in a language they understand. And then we're praying with them. Here lately, over the last few months, we came across this uh, website called The Bible Project. I don't know if anybody knows what this is, but I encourage you to go on there. There's these five to six-minute short videos that this, uh, these two guys from uh, Oregon are doing, and they're phenomenal. That dude, I'm telling you, they are really, really good. Solid stuff here, and they're, they're in cartoon kind of stuff, but it's, it, it engages kids, but I'm telling you, I get a lot out of it. Like, I really do. I've learned a ton that I forgot in seminary by these two guys. And so, I, like, look, I, like, I'm, I'm like you. You guys think I've got all these ideas. I don't. And so I'm looking for resources. I'm looking for things, and I'm trying to find those to read. And sometimes, guys, we don't do anything other than just pray. It's way inconsistent. Now, with the two older guys, as they've gotten older, it, it's just been, um, I don't know, it, it's just been hard for me to kind of figure out what's best for them, honestly. One is they, they stay up too late, and they're killing me. Like, I'm, I'm an old man. I got to go to bed, and these guys want to stay up till 10, 11 o'clock, and and so at minimum, what I'm trying to do with them 
is to pray with them at night. And that's inconsistent, honestly. My two oldest were here. They would would say that. Yeah, he's kind of hitting this with that. And it's something that my wife and I want to kind of think about, talk about, and figure out, like, what are we going to do for them? We don't do a a weekly family worship time, you know, where we gather the family. We have in seasons. Uh, We just are not doing that right now. I'm not saying that we won't, but in this moment right now in the season of our life, we're just not stepping into that. Um, I want to, right? Kathy and I will talk more about this later. I want to, but we're just not doing that at this moment. But these are the three things that we're trying to do as a family. We go to church together. We see this as a priority. We we have meals together. We try to be intentional with that, and we try to be intentional with that time. Look, I'm not adding anything to your plate. Just intentionality. So it's time, and I'll be quickly with the last two here. Moments. Here's what moments are. It's capturing and leveraging opportunities in the course of everyday life for the purpose of talking about God. It's capturing and leveraging moments and opportunities in the course of everyday life for the purpose of talking about God. So this is, this is what this is. I mean, if you're a parent here, you get this. There, there are times and moments when you're in the car or you're in bed or whatever, and they ask a question or, or a situation comes up or they get hurt or they don't make the team or, or whatever. Like there's all these circumstances that roll into life that you don't plan, right? And if you, look, look if you're stepping in and cultivating your infections for Jesus, you're maturing, then your eyes are going to be open to these opportunities and you're going to ask the Lord to give you wisdom of when to speak and what to speak. And there's going to be sometimes when you don't need to say anything. You just need to be quiet. And this is not like the, the time to where I'm trying to find a Bible verse for every situation because then it kind of feels like you're using the Bible to beat them with it. It can, it can kind of come across really weird. I'm just, just saying like this is where you have to be sensitive to the Spirit of God. If you're stepping in, maturing, growing, you're going to see these opportunities and the Lord's going to give you wisdom on what to say and what not to say. These are the opportunities where we can kind of point them to Jesus, help them see how God comes along and be a comforter for them when they're hurting and in pain. All these moments that are, that are just unplanned. And a lot of these happen for us in the car because we do do a lot of rolling around. And I heard one guy talk about, like, especially with boys, they have a tendency to open up more when it's shoulder to shoulder instead of face to face. So when you're in the car, like, you know, there are unplanned things that happen when we talk about it, and they're, you know, my kids are not here this morning, so there are planned times too, these moments, like where my wife and I have had a conversation. It's okay, when I'm driving, you know, we're going to lay this out there, and they can't do anything, right? It's not like they can jump out, right? Like captive audience. So you're not going anywhere. We're going to talk about this, and we'll keep driving until we get it done. Amen? And then at bedtime, you know, we still lay with our two youngest. I know, shouldn't do that, but I don't give a rip. Um, so <laughs> we do. We, we still lay with our kids until they fall asleep. That'll go away. I don't do that with my two oldest. That's weird, right? <laughs> but it's fascinating, the kind of questions that we've had from Davin and Conlon that's been unsolicited. And for some reason, it seems like maybe they're trying to avoid bedtime. That could be it, right? It seems like they're really doing that at nighttime sometimes. And we'll find out things about their day. We'll find out things about going on in their own heart. And look, guys, I'm just telling you, like, don't over-spiritualize me. Like, I, I'm laying there at times going, I, I don't know what I'm going to say to this. God, give me wisdom what to do. And sometimes I just say, I don't know how to respond to that, but I'm going to pray for you. Can we pray right now? So that's moments. 
and not adding thing, anything to your plate except intentionality. And the last one real quickly is milestones. Milestones are marking and making occasions to celebrate and commemorate significant spiritual milestones of God's work in the life of the family and child. And so just, just briefly here, this is, this is kind of what we, what we mean by this, and, and you experience this here in our midst. So uh, child dedication is a milestone. So it's an opportunity for us as a church to partner and come alongside a mom and dad in a very significant moment. Uh, student baptism is another one that we just started back in the spring, another milestone as your children go public with their faith. We want to come along, moms and dads, help nurture and help you, uh, you know, take the lead in this. Another one that we're looking at kind of doing better at is even our high school graduation, huge milestone in a family's life. We want to come alongside mom and dad and be a, a celebration during this kind of significant event that goes on in your kid's life. Here are a few that we do as a family, okay? So, like, this is just free. This is kind of what I do. So I do a 10-year-old trip with all my boys. When they get 10 years old, we go on a trip. So um, my first one was with Michael Brown, obviously, and we went to the Boundary Waters in Minnesota, and we almost died. And so I've kind of taken it down a notch since then, all right? That's a story in and of itself, and it was a great time, but every time we think about that trip, it kind of makes us almost throw up. But we, and, and, the, and the goal in that, like the, the goal in that is twofold. One, we're going to have fun. I'm going to do what they like to do. We'll eat good. We'll, it, we have fun. And I give them the option. You want M&Ms for, for breakfast? Good. Let's go for it, right? We're going to have fun. And the second one is I am. I'm, I'm just trying to find out what, what do they understand about what it means to be a Christian. Are they a Christian? And if they are a Christian, then how do you know that? That's the kind of conversation I'm trying to have with them. And look, guys, it's imperfect. It's weird. It's awkward. It, it's, yeah, it's, it's not as storybooked as you may think it is. And then when they get in the sixth and seventh grade, I usually take a weekend with them along with another church. And we talk about sex, dating, peer pressure, puberty, and hair growing in weird places. So there you go. And if you've got small kids in here, hopefully they won't be asking you questions about that. Amen. But that's, that's what we do. We, I, I want to step in kind of beforehand, be a little bit more proactive than reactive. I realize they're probably not really interested in girls when they're in the sixth grade. They still think they got cooties. But I want to step in and talk about, hey, this is a natural progression of your life. This is what's going on. Um, and then lastly, and I, didn't, I haven't done this yet, I want to do an 18-year-old trip. Um, so my oldest is 18. We haven't gone on a trip yet. <laughs> so I told him, say, hey, you're 18 for a year. All right, so let me... Give me some time. I want to do an 18-year-old trip, just kind of a, a way of sending and, and, and blessing them as they kind of move into this new stage of life. Look, time, moments, milestones. I'm not adding anything. Normal flow of life. Just being intentional. So look, here's my encouragement, all right? So maybe you're here and like all of this is really new to you, right? So here's my encouragement for you. First of all, step in and cultivate your affections for Jesus. Step into the means that God gives us. One of those is right here. You're doing number one, right? Read your Bible, pray, get with other men, women, talk about it. Step in, let, let it affect your heart. And then just do one thing. And maybe all you do for a year is just pray for and pray with your kid. That's it. That's all you do. 
think that'll have enormous impact on the atmosphere of your home and in the life of your kid. So I'll close with this. Um, our oldest, Michael Bryan, left yesterday for college. So, um, so yeah, just me and Davin this weekend, Joseph and Common went with Kathy. She has to be there a week early for cross country, and Kathy and I will go back uh, this coming weekend to do kind of like freshman orientation type stuff. And so you can pray for Kathy. I'm sure she's coming back sometime today, and I'm sure it won't be dry eyes. And so hopefully she can see in the midst of all the tears that she'll be shedding. And so, it, yeah, it is a, um, like, yeah, man, it's really sad to be real honest with you. So, um, yeah. So one of the things that um, the Lord just, I just, I was struggling with even yesterday, like all throughout the day, and I had to get out of the house. I made Davin go, go places with me. It's like, I can't stay in this home right now after I got done finishing up some stuff in my sermon in the morning. So let's just go out and kind of have a good day together. Uh, but one of the things I just kept thinking about is, you know, have I done enough? Have I done enough? So you, like you relive things in your head, right? You know, you kind of relive these circumstances and these situations and say, man, I should have stepped in more here. I should have been more loving here. Man, I made that about me and not about him. I, you know, I should have, you know, planned an 18-year-old trip for crying out loud, right? You know, goodness gracious. And so, so over and over, I just, like, that's the question. Have I, have I done enough? And the reality is, is I haven't. I can always do more. I prayed more. I could have spent more time with him. I could have spoke in when he needed me to speak in more. Yeah, I haven't done enough. But by God's grace, you know, my wife and I did the best we could. We stepped in. We tried to cultivate our love and affections for Jesus and to where they feel it in the home. Is it like weird? Like, who's this guy? No, it's the same guy that's here, that's in my home, that we try to have time with him, try to capture those moments as best we could, and messy as that is. I'm telling you, it was messy and still is. And, you know, set aside little milestones where we can go and celebrate with him. But here's the truth, man. Like, my hope is not in a method. It's not. And your hope is not in a method. You can knock all three of these out of the ballpark, but it doesn't guarantee anything. Our hope is in God. He's enough. He won't fail. He'll follow through. He'll come through. And this God loves Michael Bryan more than I can love him, which is crazy to think about, but he does. And he's at work. And he'll continue to do this work. In his life. And so my prayer for you, as we've just unpacked this and even like, don't put your hope in a method. Put your hope and trust in God. He loves your kids way more than you do, and he's at work.